2: Welcome to the Road to Wire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. James is going to be talking about some notable spring performances from prospects, your outfield tears article. Also talking a little TGFBI, the great fantasy baseball invitational. Look, I'm going to be honest. I stand by the fact that I didn't want this level of competition. I'm selfish. I wanted all the glory, uh, again, that comes with the overall but I have come around to this. This is a hell of a challenge, and really, it's good to kind of up, try to up your game because it's what you have to do with this many good players.
3: Yeah, I, I definitely. There was a lot of sort of back and forth on Twitter this morning about uh, people disagreeing about whether or not the people in the Champions League are at a disadvantage in the overall competition for TGFBI. Uh, doesn't seem like we're gonna come to any kind of a agreement there. Uh, at least the people on both sides of that fence. But I'm um, very happy to be in the Champions League. I definitely don't want anyone to walk away from uh, any of the comments I made and think that I'm not grateful. I just no. I personally think it's kind of obvious that uh, this is a a little bit higher of a level of competition than. Just a random TGFBI league, just because the all the people in it showed a basic level of competency last year and a, a level of um, commitment to the format in terms of just winning their league outright. Uh, there's plenty of amazing players across the industry that are not in the Champions League, not not a slight at all. I'm definitely not saying we're just better than the rest, you know. But um, there's inevitably going to be. Uh, some weaker players in some of the other leagues that just aren't in our league, um, and that's just kind of the way the way I see it. I don't really yeah. think it's all that debatable, but uh, um, not everyone's in agreement on that. But love being in this Champions League. The uh, draft has just been an absolute bloodbath. Uh, you really have to just throw, you know, and I, I think it's good advice no matter what league you're in, but in this specific league just throw adp completely out the window uh you have to just take your guy when you think it's it's the right time you can't get cute you can't hope that a guy's gonna come back to you uh i've had a few instances in this draft where i hoped a guy would come back to me i didn't think they were for sure coming back but i i hoped they would come back and i'm pretty much oh for whatever five or six on that like they <laughs> yeah. just never come back there's a guy right now that i hope comes back to me and i'm i have a 100 percent confidence level that he will not come back so uh, it's just been a really fun league to to draft in
2: yeah and just one last comment on that before we move on it's just you know when we talked about that a few weeks ago it wasn't like we were really mad or sad you know crying about being in this champions league it's just you know it's whatever just uh ah. you know i was hoping to breeze through <laughs> Again, a little bit. Well, I I know I probably
3: wouldn't have even cared or like said anything at all. It was good-hearted. It was
2: good, good natured.
3: I just I don't I I just wish that you like I just no offense to you I don't see you having a a real fair chance to try to (laughs) try to uh, go back to back just because I think this league is just a it's a grind and like anyone that you know I, I finished really high in the overall last year and i'm i'll willfully admit that a big part of that was the bottom of my league was really weak like there were a lot of people that just kind of mailed it in uh come mm. like middle of may uh middle of june like that that's part of how you build up uh the amount of uh points that you need to compete in the overall and it's just the nature of the beast i'm not saying like that i'm i'm just so good like that's why i won my league i mean part of the reason i won my league was just the, the bottom of the league wasn't that strong and i'm sure that was the case for a lot of people uh, that ended up finishing high in the overall and i'm sure that'll be the case for the people that finish high in the overall this year
2: yeah i you know having the chance to win the overall then go and win this league is pretty special and i'm excited about it. oh yeah it's, yeah i'm i'm it's, it was never anything where we we're actually like mad or anything.
3: it's not a complaint. I think we're just arguing about semantics yeah. of like, well, not semantics. I mean, I think we're arguing about um, facts, but like, I, I think it's just sort of a when you see someone say something that you just think is completely untrue, you, I, my personal reaction is to defend my, my stance, but I'm, I mean, I think we should just.
2: Move on. It's fine. Yeah, uh, I, I admit that I'm a selfish person. <laughs> I wanted the glory. I'm a glory hog. Uh, but this has been awesome. I mean, I uh, we're doing these roundtable rags. Not you, because you're focused on prospects and you're maintaining your top 400 prospect list. But I think it's me, Derek, Jeff, uh, Todd Zola, and a- Tim Heaney. I almost called him Andrew Heaney. But um, you know, I'm thinking about because I'm a little late get started on this and I have my kind of initial 350 but I'm thinking about just going straight from this draft board as my template because this is really talking about where guys fit in like there was some talk about where Kershaw was falling in this draft Baumgartner I think they fit in pretty much perfectly where they should
3: yeah I think it's really a testament to the quality of this league and just the the quality There, there is no real bottom in this league I guess some sort of a big takeaway from this draft: There's nobody, there's nobody that's really made any bad picks at all. And the fact that Kershaw fell to the sixth, and the fact that Madison Bumgarner fell almost to the tenth, is kind of a you know perfect example of that. I mean, you had uh, we were t- when we talked about the Kershaw thing on Twitter a couple days ago. Uh, I think it was Mike Gianella, maybe. Pointed out just where Bumgar or where Kershaw had been going in every league, and, it, and he was like a kind of a consensus fourth rounder, and he went in the third round in some drafts. And uh, I mean, Kershaw going in the third round, hey. especially we we had news like it, it's not like this all just popped up after the draft started. It, mm. It's.
2: He already really, had that first shutdown.
3: Yeah, it's kind of mind boggling for him to go in the third round and and I think it's kind of crazy for him to even go in the fourth round. And uh he went to the sixth round in ours, and I think there's already a little buyer's remorse possibly there from uh, Kenyatta Storen, who took uh Kershaw there. So it's it's just a situation where I can't imagine the scenario where I end up with him anywhere and, and Bumgarner, I mean <laughs> I don't know. I, I he wasn't the top pitcher on my board. Even when he went in the tenth round yeah, in yeah. in this draft, so it's it's kind of a the room's a little too smart
2: for me. I don't I don't I don't care for how tough this room is. <laughs> yeah, let me get my guys. Damn it, um, yeah. When I look at where Bumgardner went, Archer, Robbie Ray, Bumgardner, Pavetta, Tanaka, that seems like right where he should fit to me. But people just love buying the name brand. It's it's an issue. You know, he struggled in the spring debut. I'm not really book putting anything into that. What I am putting money into and stock into is the, the numbers since the the dirt bike accident. I don't know how you can just put your head in the sand when it comes to those numbers.
3: I think you just have to view him as a compiler kind of like he's just a guy that you, you hope you get 190 innings out of and you hope that uh, the ERA is not much worse than like 4 or 410 something like that. Uh, you can't be drafting him as an anchor of your staff, a guy that you're leaning on heavily for ratio help it, or, or strikeout help. It's just not going to be there.
2: Yeah, I took Erod over him. That wasn't really that close for me. And when it came to Kershaw, I took Conforto over him. That was about the time when I was started. to think about it. But then after the second shutdown period with Kershaw, um, no, no chance. And they're saying that he's going to resume throwing again tomorrow, but it's like, They've had to press the pause button on its throwing program twice already. Um I think even if we're redoing this, he probably should fall into like the eighth or ninth.
3: Yeah. I I the floor I think on Kershaw right now is a real scenario where he just doesn't pitch this season. Like yeah. that, that's like that's in play and it's really not in play for anyone else that's going inside the top one hundred picks. Uh via an injury we already know about yeah, like yeah. it's one every pitcher is risky mm-hmm. uh but kershaw was super risky even before any of this bad news came out like if if he had had no setbacks at all in camp i wouldn't have been taking him in the fourth round and so yeah now it's just kind of hands off
2: well, let's run through this first round here trout bets no surprise there then turner i think with the overall prize in in mind that makes a lot of sense acuna yelich J.D. Martinez, Scherzer, Jose Ramirez, uh, Nolan Arenado, Chris Sale. You took Jacob deGrom. Adam Ronas sniped me on Judge. I was hoping to get Judge just because I didn't want to take an injured player with my first pick, but uh, you know Lindor was a decent consolation. Will would be real nice if he's fully healthy. Uh, then Altuve, Goldschmidt. Let's talk about what you did going deGrom and then Cole with your second pick. Then hitters three through 11 was that kind of your plan coming in, or was that something that just developed on the fly?
3: Uh, it was something I knew was definitely possible coming in. Um, you know the, I mean I, I was very very confident I was taking a pitcher in the first round. Uh, it would have had to have been one of those six guys that went in the first six picks. I mean I think the the first six hitters off the board in this league Trout, Betts, Turner, Acuña, Yelich, JD Martinez should be the first six hitters off the board mm-hmm. to me in every league I think that that's the top 6 and I I've heard some people say that they want like the middle of the first round they want like kind of towards the back because they like like a lot of the hitters the same I want as high of a pick as I can because I think that those guys are, are so legit and such great building blocks up top that you can do a lot of fun things. I mean, it's, it's not really a coincidence that my, a lot of my favorite teams in this draft have been the teams picking uh, in those top six spots, but, uh, picking 11, I I definitely assumed that my best player available was going to be a pitcher, whether it be sale or Degrom, And, you know, at that point, uh, Garrett Cole wasn't really that far behind those guys. So uh, just, you know, when I got on the clock, uh, based on my valuations, I would have been leaving several dollars worth of of value on the table to take a hitter there. And uh, I just didn't want to take a hitter just to take a hitter. Uh, I wanted to take best player available. And I knew I wasn't going to get... I mean, it did get close. Syndergaard almost got back to me. He went uh, to Hagland, I think, uh, who had the ninth pick. So Syndergaard almost made it back. I would have probably been kicking myself a little bit there if that had happened. But I didn't expect to get any of the other guys that I have in in that kind of big tier of, of aces up top. So at that point, it's either go DeGrom and then like Freddie Freeman or Trevor Story and then probably don't get another starting pitcher till the, I don't know, fifth round, something like that, uh, or just take another ace. And then I I knew that just, you know, I mean, you can't, if you're going to do the double ace thing with the first two picks, you have to go really heavy on hitters, uh, you know, for the next next seven or eight picks. And so as soon as I took Garrett Cole, I knew I wasn't going to be taking a pitcher again anytime soon.
2: Yeah, I like what you did, making up ground on the hitting side. You got Vlad, who... I really feel strongly. Over five and a half months of the season, he'll be a top ten hitter. Uh, Correa, you got some speed and Robles, uh, Tim Anderson and Buxton. I'm looking forward to seeing how you piecemeal the rest of the staff together, though. Because you got you get your third pitcher, you waited all the way till t- round twelve to get Rick Porcello, who I didn't think was a a really good value there. Yeah, how about that
3: staff? Uh, <laughs> SP three, Rick Porcello. Wow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, but that's a hell of a top three. And really, having only three pitchers through 12 rounds is not the end of the world. I I spent big up top with three straight hitters, but then I loaded up kind of in the uh, four through uh, ten range. I was happy to kind of get a good, what I felt was a good you know foundation in all five hitting categories with Lindor, Stanton, who I pushed up. Because, look, overall prize, Stanton, the guy could hit 50-plus. Uh, i I feel like. In an overall contest, he's a great guy to get. Uh, Corbin was actually, you know, him and Marquez are pretty close. I do like Corbin by a hair. And when I took Corbin, I was like, well, pff, James is probably going to get Marquez in the fifth, damn it. Uh, but he actually went in the last pick of the fourth. So um, no values at all to be had in this draft.
3: Yeah, and uh, I mean, I, I thought you were going to get Judge in the first round, Uh, you know, I think in, in most batting average leagues, he's there at pick 13 and uh, Adam Ronis wisely scooped him up with the 12th pick. Uh, Would you have taken Vlad jr over Mondesi in the third, if he'd been there?
2: Yeah. 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 And maybe, uh, I don't know what I would have done with speed, but the fact is, is that in an overall contest, if you actually do want to compete for the overall, you have to get some speed and, Um, you ended up getting Robles, which I think is huge, but you can't, I just don't feel like you can bet on that. Just so hyper-focused on speed. I want to get it as soon as I can and try to hoard it. But you know, Ronas did snipe me, but he actually made up my mind a couple times on guys. I think it was, you know, I like David Price, but at the last second, I did start to think maybe, well, if Luis Castillo is still there, maybe I'll get him. But Ronas took Castillo, made up my mind for me there. Um, and yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. I was happy to get Shane Bieber and Erod, both guys I had to push up a lot. But uh, I looked at the guys who would be there at the next turn, the eleven, twelve run. And I just didn't like any of the pitchers I saw there.
3: Yeah, and I I still, you know, I, I don't think I, you know, Porcello in the twelfth round was really the only time in this draft that I didn't take best player available, uh, per my, uh, projections. And I think that that's, I mean, I, I don't love the way my team is, has shook out, uh, by any means, but I think if you, you know, Rob Silver wrote that, that great article for the magazine about, um, you know, thinking a, in a snake draft in terms of dollar values and the pick values. And if you're going to go the route that I went, uh, you can't, take like you said i might get marquez in the fifth i wouldn't have taken him in the fifth because at at that point i'm just already i'm already kind of capped out on my draft capital that i'm spending on pitching so um you can't you you just have to be disciplined if you if you go pitcher pitcher with the first uh, two rounds of the draft because if you want to develop any type of balance you just have to load up on hitters i mean the the amount of awesome building blocks that every other team got on the hitting side in the first couple rounds, you know, I'm chasing, uh, some pretty impressive, uh, combinations. So I, you know, I, I really had to load up on, on hitters. And uh, it seemed like the people that were actually getting sort of pushed up were pitchers, were, were closers and that kind of sexy middle tier of, of starting pitchers. Yeah. You know, I, I would have been happy to, uh, you know, there were points where there were definitely pitchers I was hoping would come to me and they just went ahead of me. You know, I wanted I really wanted Corey Canable um in the ninth round, he didn't he didn't get to me. I uh, would have taken Shane Bieber in the tenth round, you obviously grabbed him. I would have taken Eduardo Rodriguez in the in the uh next round and you, you took him as well. Jose Alvarado I would have liked. But I mean if if, if you get sniped on those guys you really get into trouble in a hurry if you start just chasing well, who's the next best pitcher and yeah. like I gotta grab that guy. Like if there's just val if the value's in the hitters, uh and that's what I did with Raphael Devers in the eleventh round. Like I, I definitely I wanted Tyler Glass now there and he goes one pick ahead of me and so instead of just going down to the next pitcher I wanted, like to me Devers is like a, a sixteen dollar player this year, a guy that should have been gone a couple rounds earlier and and i wasn't going to let him keep falling to to somebody
2: else yeah when i took erod i was considering devers and moose another guy i was like these guys have no business being on the board but when you go hitter 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 and you you want to get at least some of these guys you really like in that range and uh, i missed out on musgrove later so i'm glad that i just was aggressive in getting at least two of my guys in that range that i really like in Bieber and Rodriguez, anything else that really caught your eye? I mean, we're only not even 12 rounds into this, but anything else you want to mention before we move on? Um,
3: I, you know, I loved that you grabbed, uh, Michael Conforto where you did in the, the sixth round. Um, you know, I Man, think that's, I like a lot that's a little bit ahead of his ADP, I believe. Um, but that's what you had to do in, the, in this draft. Um, you know, I've reached on Austin Meadows in the ninth, and uh, there's definitely some a, a risk that maybe he, you know, if he doesn't lead off against righties uh, and he is in a strict platoon against lefties, that could backfire, but I think there's a, a ton of upside there. Um, and so, like, you know, reaching up, like Luke Void, I really wanted in the 11th round, and, and Rudd from Baseball HQ popped him, you know, 30, 40 spots ahead of his ADP. I wasn't surprised at all. I was just pretty bummed out about that. And yeah, me
2: too. I, mean, I was you, hoping to get one of him, Void, or Devers.
3: Yeah, that. I mean, I, I think the the lesson is just, and I mean, this applies to home leagues too, just go get your guy hmm. when you... When it gets to like a point where you are kind of zeroed in on a guy, just take him. Don't don't be like, Well, I could probably get him
2: in the this round.
3: Like yeah. just, just go. And within get him.
2: reason though, but yeah, I'm with
3: you. Well, especially once you get like outside of the top hundred picks. Yeah. There's just there's not a clear cut like oh, that's that's a reach, you know. Sure, like yeah. anyway. Trust
2: your analysis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Trust yourself, trust the work you put in and you should be good. Um one guy you took was Buxton you cannot be accused of, you know, inflating him, pushing him up, because this is really the exact same spot you took him in the November, what, first or second Arizona Fall League draft, a uh, first pitch Arizona. So, you know, you were kind of roundly booed out of the building when you did that.
3: <laughs> I don't know if they're going to let me back next year.
2: <laughs> Who would take him in the 20th? <sighs> no. <laughs> um But look, he's the guy who's getting a ton of inflation right now, and I want to just talk to you about notable spring performances we've seen so far. Buxton now going in like we well, Howard Bender tweeted us that he went in like the fifth. So you're basically getting no discount on Buxton now.
3: (laughs) Um, Ridiculous, yeah. And it's that's where it kind of you know a a room where you know the room might have been almost too smart on Buxton and this this scenario where everyone was just like, oh, I'm not going to overreact, not going to overreact. And like you said, like I got him the exact same place. I got him, uh, four months ago, which mm-hmm. is fine. I mean, I, I would, I would not have been devastated to miss out on Buxton. He was kind of a target. Uh, I would have taken, you know, I was deciding between him and Luke Voigt there, but you know, like you, like you mentioned, I I'm trying to compete in the overall and, even if I think I have enough speed to finish, you know, top third in our specific league there, you're going to need a ton of steals to yeah. be competitive in that category in the overall. And, uh, like
2: 130. Yeah. And to get like 80th percentile according te- to Jeff's math
3: in the 10th round. Um, and we, I think we talked about this when we got back from Arizona, like in the 10th round. Yeah. I mean, you there's, there's risk in Byron Buxton and definitely throw out what he's doing in, in the spring. If you liked him, Two weeks ago, you should still like him. If you didn't like him two weeks ago, I think you should hold firm there too. But uh, it's not like the tenth round is just a a money pick that just always works out. Like mm-hmm. we we look back at uh, the tenth round ADP from last year, and there were just as many busts as there were hits in in just the tenth round of the draft. So it's not like you're it's really going to be the case this head. year. Yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. So inevitably, um, you know, of Robles, Meadows, and Buxton. I'd be surprised if all three of them work out as i as I hope they will i mean i am kind of hoping to go two for three there, and mm. I think the upside is is worth it on those three guys, especially in a league with an overall prize. I probably wouldn't have that much risk uh in my as my first three outfielders though, like for like the tout wars draft and hold i I am much more willing to take on risk in this specific format
2: nice um another guy who's getting some buzz quite a bit of it. Chris Paddock, with his spring performance, he's a guy that we talked about recently. I did think the the quotes from um, the skipper there, let me dig these up. Oh yeah, Andy Green said he has a good chance to make the rotation, probably not opening day, but um, I think he should go to the mound every day expecting to make the rotation and pitching to make the rotation. Um, again, this is a classic situation where they probably won't start him in the year at the major league level because they want to gain that extra year of service time. But we talk about Jesus Lazardo and his path to, to major league innings. Chris Paddock may have, you know, as clear a path as he does. Uh, yeah, I mean... I mean that rotation sucks.
3: I know it sucks, but... uh you know, Paddock threw 37 and a third innings at double-A last year, has not pitched at triple-A. Uh, Lozardo threw almost 80 innings at double-A, another four starts at triple-A. And I think the A's actually think they're going to make the playoffs this year and, and want to make the playoffs. I mean, if the Padres think they're going to make the playoffs, I've, I've got bad news. They're they're not. Uh, I just don't want <laughs> to see that happening. Um, so I don't. I don't think they're as desperate as the A's might be, and I think that I I mean, whose rotation do you think is worse if you just don't factor in prospects, the A's or the Padres? Uh, I mean it might be the Padres, but yeah, I, it's I don't know. it's not like I see Brian
2: Mitchell sitting there.
3: <laughs> it's not like they're you know, one of them is is much better than the other. They're That's both true. they're both terrible if you take out the prospects. So
2: and one is I mean, well the A's did make the postseason last year, right? Yeah, yeah, they won like ninety some yeah. games.
3: They're trying to. I mean, they, they won like ninety eight games. They've they? got their like their core is all at the big league level and ready to go. Like mm-hmm. they, they have their position player core all all right there uh, with success under their belts. Whereas the Padres, I mean, you have Luis Urias and Fernando Tatis who are still prospects. Um, that you know they they haven't pushed all their chips in to the to the point that the the A's have at this point. Um, you know, I think Paddock is uh, you know, Matt Modica took him in the Tout Wars draft and hold uh, kind of in the middle of the draft uh, somewhere in the late teens or the 20s, I think, and you know, he, he probably doesn't fall even that far in a draft and hold if you're doing it now, just based on his uh, spring debut. Yeah. Um, you know, I did think it was kind of comical at the amount of, I mean he he struck out Orlando Arcia swinging um and that like was the gif that everyone was like floating around like i mean there's tons of prospects in my top 100 that could strike out Orlando <laughs> Arcia and make him look pretty bad but uh paddock i think what what's really kind of spurred his rise even more so than what he did in that first spring start is just you have a lot of smart redraft people um, pointing at his projections you know on like the bat and stuff like that, and getting really excited and that's that 's what 's pushing up his price i think more than even just the the on field performance this spring and it's you know it's it 's getting to the point where i think the the hype is a little over the top uh but i mean I expect him to go in in our t g f b i draft um you know probably at some point in the next six or seven rounds and i don't necessarily think that's a a bad pick i probably won't personally be doing it but he's got a really really awesome fastball changeup combo that is is definitely going to make big league hitters look foolish uh the first time they see him uh possibly the second time they see him uh the breaking ball is kind of a you know he can break off a a Nice looking bender, but it's not a ball that he trusts all that well. It's not something he's going to go to all that often, and uh, I just think it's it's dangerous to get too excited from what a player with his lack of upper level experience does in like a two inning sample size, where every hitter's just seeing him for the first time. I mean, his changeup is at least a 70-grade pitch. So if you just have that and a low 90s fastball that you can locate, you're going to get bad swings from, from the best hitters on the planet. It's just a matter of will you continue to get those bad swings once they sort of know the book on you and once you have to turn a lineup over more than just once.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know if I told you this, but I did my first online championship. Sorry. Stupid phone. Uh, I did my first online championship, and I actually grabbed Paddock with one of my last picks. Now there's probably a ninety percent chance that he's off my roster come opening day, but figured hell, take the chance, one of my last bench spots, see what happens. Well, when do you think? Like, I,
3: I mean, I think it's very probable that he's in the big league rotation uh, at some point in the first half. When exactly? Are you expecting to see him up,
2: and how many innings are you hoping for in the big leagues? Yeah, it's tough now we just talked about oakland. they won ninety seven that's insane, so yeah they're they're kind of right there on the edge. But I think the Padres, you know they signed Machado they may at least want to start getting the fan base excited and you know give people reasons to show up to the ballpark aside from just macho um so maybe I'm th- thinking maybe like one twenty it's probably on the high range, but I mean, why not use those bullets up at the highest level?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's – so, I mean, are you are you thinking he's going to be up in, like, May?
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, maybe if he, like, really dominates over the rest of the spring, maybe it's, maybe it's late April. Um, but I, I just kind of wanted to take that fire and see how he fared because, yeah, he kind of breaks the projection systems with just how good the minor league numbers have been. They try to, you know, make that – turn that into, like, a major league equivalency, whatever – and it kind of breaks the systems a little bit. So I'm with you that some of those projections you'll see are a little optimistic, but he's the kind of guy who could be, you know, a pretty big difference maker if he is in the majors for a large, large chunk of time.
3: Yeah. And I think it's if he, yeah, if he has another good, good start, like if his next start is, is really good, then I can almost promise you I won't own him anywhere. Um,
2: yeah, you're the voice of reason, and I appreciate that. Uh, I'm kind of drinking the Kool-Aid myself. But,
3: well, it's um, obviously, like, with all this stuff, and the next guy that I want to talk about, I mean, it, it can all pan out. Uh, obviously, he's talented enough to be a good value. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, on a per-start basis, Paddock was, a like, a top-30 fantasy starter this year, but I just don't think it's – realistic or I mean I don't think it's uh something that you should be paying for I think you should just treat him like I mean look at look at his experience look at how many innings he has at double a look at the fact he hasn't pitched at triple a look at the fact that he rarely throws his his breaking ball uh I mean the the fact that he's probably not going to get much run support um I mean there's there's a there's enough things that I don't interest me in formats where there's only just a seven man bench that I, you know, I would probably turn to other guys, but you know, what about Forrest Whitley? I mean, he kind of is a, in, in a similar situation in terms of experience in the minors to Paddock. Uh, I think, you know, he's obviously a much better prospect, no slide on Paddock, but I mean, Whitley's maybe the best pitching prospect the last like five years. So, um, I mean he's just better he's got a bevy. like I I always say Paddock might have the best changeup in the minors if it's not him it's probably Forrest Whitley or Jesus Lazardo who are both ranked ahead of him and those guys also have uh, plus breaking balls Um, you know Whitley's got a couple plus breaking balls but Whitley hasn't pitched at AAA either and with the Josh James injury you know he might and
2: Colin McHugh
3: yeah I mean he might be on the same sort of Track as paddock to to where we see him a little earlier than I than I expected to this year.
2: Yeah, he's a guy that I think should be definitely moving up boards. He actually, I wouldn't be surprised if he went pretty soon in this um, TGFBI because overall component. And yeah, with that's that's too bad. Same day, Josh James and uh, Colin McHugh. Poor Astros. You know, I know they're gonna catch a break. Um, you mentioned some other another performance you want to talk about real quick. I just wanted to mention that I thought you say Kikuchi looked pretty good against the Reds the other day. Uh, made Vado look pretty bad, and yeah, there was some talk that that pitch that got Vado maybe it wasn't so great of a pitch. It was kind of hanging there. But the the quotes from Vado about how he throws this kind of traditional old school curve, just the way he hides it, makes me think that Kikuchi, even though you're not going to get really any two star weeks out of the guy given his pitching schedule, it could be a guy that you feel pretty good about starting on a one-start uh, maybe 15 weeks of the year.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of surprised he's still out there in our league, uh, yeah, to be too. honest. I mean, so, who who do you... How do you rank Kikuchi, Whitley, and Paddock just for your sort of preference for, for 2019?
2: Well, I'd have Paddock last just because he's a lottery ticket. And if the price gets any higher than a lottery ticket, then I'll be out. But right now he's basically free. Like last pick-of-the-draft kind of guy in most leagues, and maybe not so much anymore. But if the price gets much higher, I'll probably be out. But right now I have him last. Now I'd probably, in light of today's injuries to the Astros staff, probably have Whitley like a hair over Kikuchi, but I could see flip-flopping those two.
3: Yeah, I mean, I mean it's it's so tough. Uh, there, I'm always hesitant to – You know, I I like going for the pitching prospects that are going to start the year in the minors. Once all the semi-comparable guys that are going to open the year in the big league rotation are off the board, I don't really like jumping. You know, when there when there's good big league pitchers out there, I don't just I don't like the idea, especially given the the seven man benches in this league. I don't like the idea of taking uh, the pitching prospect who we don't know when he's going to be up over those guys. But yeah, I mean, Whitley, Whitley's definitely good enough where he could have a, like, do you remember Strasburg's rookie season? Yeah. Um, Like, I I think Whitley could kind of have that type of year in terms of just being appointment TV uh, for all of his starts, even though there, you know, there might only be a a dozen or 15, 16 starts for him this year in the big leagues, uh, that per start. Basis, uh, I think, gives him the edge probably over Kikuchi for me.
2: Interesting. Uh, there was another spring performance you wanted to mention. Well, no, there?
3: I actually, I was, I was going to talk about that Astros. Oh, um, see, situation. Okay. So yeah. Uh, well, yeah. like just, I think the Whit the Whitley uh, Paddock kind of correlation is is just really sort of fascinating yeah. because you know Whitley is not out there breaking any projection systems, but. I mean, you're not going to find an evaluator anywhere who would compare those two pitchers. Uh, and I just think it's kind of interesting that, like, you might, there might be a, yeah, I could see there being a TGFBI league where they, they go very closely together in the yeah. draft. And uh, I just think that that's an interesting corollary.
2: Yeah. It's, I'm fascinated to see how, when these guys get the call and how they fare. Um, yeah, not a, not a lot else that's really caught my eye this spring. Domingo Santana's homer off uh, Alex Wood, <laughs> just crushing it. The dead center field, he's a guy that I like as a value right now. He's going like inside the top 100 last year, so um, he should be coming off the board probably pretty soon in this TGFBI draft. Uh, but, James, I want to run through your latest Farm Futures article uh, while we have a little bit of time here. We're running a little long already, already 35 minutes, but – uh, your latest farm futures, uh, I'm sorry, I'm bringing it up here, outfield tiers, uh, this is a good one, the, the top tier, no surprise, Eloy Jimenez and, and Victor Robles. And tier two, Nick Senzel, Kyle Tucker, Alex Kirloff, and Joe Adele. Is Senzel a guy, I know you took him in the Tower's Wars draft and hold. Is he a guy that's even still moving up your board? Like how big of an impact could this guy make if he is indeed in the majors for uh, most of the year?
3: Uh, I think he's just a really great combination of floor and ceiling. Uh, and you don't, you know, there, there's a chance that he's just a really good value right now in drafts because he's, people just haven't really been taught. I mean, the, the Reds came out and said he's like the favorite to be the opening yeah. day center fielder. And, I he came him. out
2: and said that he doesn't believe him, <laughs> I, which I like his honesty. I, I, I
3: agree. I agree with him. I, I don't believe him either. But no. uh,
2: he, had t- he had two hits today, by the way.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, I think he's – it's it's looking like he's going to be up um, maybe in April, maybe around the same time we see Eli and Vlad, and if that's the case – he should be going inside the top 200 in every draft. Uh, you know, I don't think he should be going ahead of Victor Robles because of the the speed component with Robles. Although Senzel's going to steal um, double digit bases probably this year, I don't think he should necessarily be going ahead of Eli Jimenez because of uh, I think Eli Jimenez's uh, ceiling is just uh, you know a little bit higher, and I think it's more of a lock that we see. Jimenez in the big leagues um for all but two weeks of the season whereas Senzel you know like if you were just setting an over under on plate appearances Eloy and Senzel I would take Eloy um pretty easily there but you know after that I think he I might take Senzel over any of the pitching prospects including Jesus Lizardo I did take him in the the Tout Wars draft and hold over Jesus Lizardo I just think that the the hitter is Is safer than the pitcher and the production you're gonna get from Senzel, it's just it's pretty unique production from a guy that's gonna qualify at second base and then outfield once he gets enough starts there.
2: Yeah, I mentioned that I not a ton else has caught my my eye, but I lied because I saw this today on Twitter that Nate Low homer, five hundred and fifty feet. What? Now in the air it was only four forty eight, but yeah, the initial estimate was 567, uh, according to Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. So, I mean, I, I think you've been pretty high on low for a while, right? I mean, what's he would seem pretty blocked, but is he a guy who is maybe should be on mixed league radars?
3: See, I, yeah, I've, I've never viewed him as blocked really at all. Uh, I mean, I think he's better than anyone on that depth chart at first base or DH. So, uh, I mean that the Rays just have a ton of okay guys, but the guys that are really good, like the those are unique players on that roster. I mean they they're more about depth than they are impact talent, and that's part of why like I think Austin Meadows is the best position player on that team when you factor everything in, in including Tommy Pham, which is why I'm so high on him. Um I just I think he's one of the more underrated players in draft right now like nobody's talking about austin meadows but if i mean he he's a franchise player for them i think Nate Lowe could be a franchise player for them too so uh you know i, I don't think anyone on that roster is getting in lowe's way as soon as the rays think he's ready but i just don't know if that's going to be in april or may or june um they're obviously notorious for holding guys down they held Willie down a little bit longer than I thought they would because they are one of those teams that actually does care about Super 2. Uh, I mean, a lot of teams – I mean, none of the teams should care about it because they're all uh, loaded with, with cash, but uh, the Rays really do. So I think that that might factor in with, with Lowe's arrival to the big leagues.
2: Nice. Yeah, I try to tune out a lot of these spring performances, spring numbers, but you hit a ball 550 feet out of the ballpark are gonna get my attention. Um the rest of the guys in this tier two, Kyle Tucker, Alex Kirloff, Joe Adell. Is Alex Kirloff like kind of like the next Christian Yelich? Because that's kind of the comp I've been hearing here and there.
3: Uh no, I don't I don't really think that they are the same type of uh athlete. I mean Kirloff's a, a good runner given the rest of his skills,
2: but um.
3: Yeah, I think in his, yeah, it was
2: in the um, prospect handbook.
3: I think in his peak years, it's going to be more like eight to ten steals for Kirilov. Uh, and I would take that. I mean, I think there's a chance it's even less than that. I think he's more of like a um, like the type of player that I sort of hoped Nomar Mazzara would be, where it's just three hundred average, thirty homers, and you can kind of bank on that year to year.
2: Nice. Joe Adele, we all know about his athleticism. Excited to hopefully see him this year. Then Christian Robinson in a tier of his own. What separates him from the, the tier four guys? Victor Victor Mesa, Trevor Larnick, uh Usneil Diaz, George Valera, Taylor Trammell, and Jesus Sanchez.
3: Uh, he's got superstar upside, and I don't think anyone in that tier really does. I mean, maybe you could say Valera or Trammell does. Um, I think it's unlikely that you get that type of across the board contributions from Trammell. and I think Valera we just haven't seen enough uh it's possible Valera could be up in that tier if he hadn't gotten hurt last year, but Robinson, you know we've talked about him a ton, I think he's a nice sort of you know if you're trying to say who's going to be like the top three top four prospects this time next year. And you're asking me to pick from outside of like the top 15, I think he would be my, my top pick for that.
2: Nice. I just started up the SiriusXM XM Dynasty League, and I was hoping Kirloff would still be there, like, because I'm picking 15th out of 15. He went one pick before me, so I grabbed Ryan Presley because it's a save plus Saves Plus Holds League. This is my window right now, but I'm kind of hoping Christian Robinson's still there on the way back. Um, James, that'll probably do it for the Prospect Talk. I do want to just quick touch on our next entries into our lists of the most memorably bad hip-hop songs. Mine is one that actually killed a guy's career entirely, and that's Lil' Flip, Sunshine. Wow. Woof. Uh, I was actually a big Flip guy. Uh, Underground Legend was a banger. I, I was into that. Then he comes off with uh, Sunshine, and it was just no shares, no thanks the rest of the way. <laughs>
3: um I I like Low Flip too. Uh, I'm trying to think if I've if I've heard that song. Maybe I have and I just tried to erase it from yeah, my I'll memory. Just put it um, out of your mind. He should have should have stayed, you know, kept kept it with his bread and butter. I mean, he had a good thing going there. I don't know why he tried to
2: Yeah, this is the way we ball up. still bangs. Wow.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh yeah, it would have been there would have been a, a riot if you had tried to include that on Oh, here. no. I w-
2: I would never. <laughs> Couldn't be me, James. Uh, so I got to take another shot at, at bad
3: boy. Uh, <laughs> but it might not be where you, you're expecting me to go. You're expecting me to go with puff daddy. I'm sure
2: I'm expecting like the Godzilla <laughs> theme song.
3: That's actually a good one. I hadn't thought about that. Might have to include that, that in a later entry. List,
2: although it's fluid right now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, mine's actually, uh, the, the player's anthem by junior mafia. Um, <laughs>
2: I I <laughs> oh, wait like, i i remember the wasn't that like little Cease and like yeah, yeah, and yeah yeah
3: um like grab your if you love hip-hop
2: like, oh yeah okay yeah
3: it's just kind of slow and boring to me and, and it just
2: rips off like a biggie yeah yeah, yeah. it's
3: just kind of i don't know it it gets a lot more play
2: than it should uh, yeah. and
3: and it did uh, get a lot more play than it than it should have.
2: Thanks to Andrew, by the way, for rounding up all these songs in a Spotify playlist. Maybe the worst Spotify playlist of all time. Yeah, we it, appreciate it.
3: It's a kind of a fool's errand to, to to compile a list that nobody in their right mind would listen to. But
2: it's a funny gag, though. Good for some yucks. <laughs> yeah, uh, we appreciate it, Andrew, and we appreciate you sharing your sharing your insight with us, James. Be back with you next week on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast.